Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study. Our theme right now, our topic for Wednesday nights is Jesus, my example in a life interrupted. Our theme for the year here at McDermott Road is fix your eyes on Jesus. And this year, we're really going to focus on focusing on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, no matter what happens this year, no matter what 2021 has in store for us, we will keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And on Wednesday nights, we're specifically talking about how Jesus is not only our prophet and our priest and our king, but he is also our example. When life gets interrupted, when life doesn't go the way that we think it will, when life doesn't go the way we want it to, Jesus is our example, both on the good days and the bad days, on the easy days and on the hard days. Jesus is our example. We fix our eyes on Jesus knowing that's what faithfulness looks like. That's what it looks like to be who God calls us to be. That's what it looks like to be faithful to God is Jesus. And I want to start by thinking through what do you picture When you picture Jesus' ministry, when you picture the three years that Jesus spent walking the earth and and doing what he came to do and being who he was called to be, what do you picture? Maybe you picture him teaching the crowds. Maybe you picture him healing the sick. Maybe you picture him driving out the demons. Maybe you picture him turning over the tables and driving out the money changers. Maybe you picture him rebuking the Pharisees and outwitting them as they were trying to trick him and trap him. Maybe you picture him sitting at table with sinners and tax collectors. Maybe you picture him, I don't know, but chances are you picture him doing something, being busy. Jesus did all of those things, and Jesus certainly was very busy during his three years of ministry. But there's a a practice a habit that Jesus had that we don't often stop and think about and talk about. And that's his practice of withdrawing to a desolate place to pray. That's a phrase that I want us to focus on tonight. Withdrawing to a desolate place to pray. That was one of Jesus' habits. One of his practices was to withdraw to a lonely, desolate place and pray. Is that how you picture Jesus? Do you picture him often sneaking away, as it were, to to get a, a few minutes or as long as he could with his father? That he longed for those moments of still and quiet times of prayer, times to spend with his father in prayer. If Jesus is going to be our example, then we ought not just to look to all of the times that he spent doing things and being busy, but also his habit, his practice of withdrawing to a desolate place to pray. Let's look at our text tonight. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read all the way into chapter 5. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So Jesus had the practice, of course, of going to synagogue every Saturday, every Sabbath. And now he's in his hometown of Nazareth. This is the place where he grew up. 
Maybe you've been back to your hometown, and you know what it's like when you go back to your hometown and you see people that you knew when you were a kid, and they knew you when you were a kid, and they know your family, they know your parents, they know your siblings. And that was the case with Jesus. He was in Nazareth. This was his hometown. Everybody there likely knew of him or knew him, knew his parents, knew his siblings, and so there was a lot of connection. And and we might not realize the significance in that culture of these connections, these community, cultural, family connections, and how important it was for them to honor their family and be respected, especially amongst those people. Verse uh, 17 says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? So at first, when Jesus takes out the scroll and he reads it, and he says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, they're impressed. It says that they spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. And they said, isn't that, isn't that Joseph's son? And they were really impressed with who he was and what he was saying. But Jesus said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. So Jesus, Jesus gets real with them and says, you're not going to accept me. They were impressed at first, but Jesus says, you're not going to receive me. You're not going to accept me. You're going to be just like the Israelites in the times of the past that didn't receive their own prophets, that didn't listen to their own prophets, and you're not going to listen to me. You're not going to receive me. You're not going to do what I'm telling you to do or be who I'm calling you to be. You're not going to listen to me and receive me as one who is sent from God. And of course, that made them incredibly angry. They were filled with wrath. And then it says in verse 29, they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Again, in in Jesus' culture, in this Eastern culture, in the first century culture, this idea of honor and shame was incredibly important. This is what the the entire culture was built on, was on honor and shame. And to be rejected by your people, to be rejected by your community, to be rejected by family and friends, this brought shame upon you and upon your family. And that would be an incredible burden to bear. And you and I might not experience that 
that same kind of shame in our culture. But we still experience shame, don't we? Shame is the feeling that you don't belong. Have you ever felt like that? Feeling like you don't belong? Feeling like you don't fit in? Feeling like you are rejected? Especially rejected because you're trying to do the will of God? We talked about that on Sunday, that Jesus' followers have always, to one degree or another, experienced this type of shame for their friends and their family, the community, the culture, to say, you don't fit in. You're not doing things our way. You don't belong here. And so Jesus carried, and all of his disciples, including you and I to some degree, carry a burden of shame. So let me ask you that question. Do you know the burden of shame that that is to, to carry, to, to know that some people that you love and respect, people that you would love to fit in with, don't receive you, don't accept you because you're choosing to do things God's way? I have to believe that this is part of the burden that Jesus carries to his Father in prayer. Yes, Jesus is not only a prophet, but is God in flesh. And Jesus knew that they wouldn't receive him. He knew that they would reject him. He knew this was the kind of reception that he would get when he proclaimed his message, even in his own hometown. But that doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It doesn't mean it wasn't a burden to be rejected by the people that watched him grow up, the people that knew him and knew his family. I'm sure it was an incredible burden to bear, that burden of shame, that burden of rejection, that burden of feeling like I don't belong, I'm not accepted. And so Jesus carried that burden of shame, and I'm sure that's part of the burden that he carried to his father in prayer. Look at verse 31. It says, when he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus, and look at this word here, it says, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and, same word, and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. It's interesting to me that the same idea is used when Jesus is casting out the demons and when he is healing people of diseases. He's rebuking with authority. Jesus is really engaged in truly spiritual warfare. Jesus is doing battle 
with Satan, and he is doing battle over and over and over and over and over again with authority. He's rebuking fever. With authority, he's rebuking the demons. He is destroying the works of Satan, doing exactly what he was commissioned, anointed by God to do. But don't you know that doing that kind of work, doing that kind of battle was exhausting? Let me ask you this question. Do you know the burden of exhaustion? The burden of saying, I just don't know if I can do any more. Jesus, in this state, in his pre-resurrection state, is flesh and blood. He's mortal. He gets tired. He wears out. He has to eat and drink and rest and sleep. Jesus, like you and I, experienced exhaustion. Jesus is, of course, anointed by God and filled with the Spirit and doing this warfare against the works of Satan by the the power of God. But don't you know he's exhausted? He's carrying a huge burden of exhaustion. Do you know that feeling? I bet that you do. Doing good things, doing important things, whether that's teaching your neighbor about Jesus or that's changing your baby's diaper or feeding your family or going to work, doing the good things that God has designed you to do, doing whatever your hands find to do, doing it with all of your might, doing good for your family, doing good for your neighbors, doing good for your community, can be exhausting sometimes, can't it? And sometimes we feel like, I don't know that I can do it another day. I don't know that I can, I have any more to give. Sometimes we feel like we've given all we have to give and we're just dry and used up and we're just carrying this burden of exhaustion. And sometimes the way life works is we've got this heavy burden that we're carrying around, carrying around a burden of shame, carrying around a burden of exhaustion. And then life interrupts and says, hey, can you carry this too? Can you carry this as well? And so Jesus is carrying this very heavy burden of exhaustion, of spiritual, emotional, physical exhaustion. Look at verse 42. It says, when it was day, he departed and went, it went, he departed and went to a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, I think it's interesting, a couple of things here. Obviously, it says he departed and went to a desolate place after his marathon of healing those that were sick, those that were possessed with demons, he departed and went to a desolate place and the people didn't know where he went. And they were looking for him. They, were, they tried to find him and they came to him and it says they would have kept him from leaving. Stay, Jesus. There's more to do. There's more to do. There's more to do. But he said, I, I can't stay here anymore. I need to preach the good news in other towns as well. So he went and he left and he went to other places to the synagogues of Judea. So Here's the question that I want to ask is, do you know the burden of expectation of people saying, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this? We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And there's, there's not enough of you to go around. 
Jesus could have stayed in that one town. In any given town, Jesus could have stayed and there would have been so many people to teach, so many people to heal, so many situations to fix. But he had to go and he had to be in other places and do other things and speak to other people and heal other people. And he had to turn people down and tell people no. And that's a burden to carry, isn't it? Nobody likes to to know that there's an expectation that they're not meeting, not fulfilling. All of us probably have a to-do list that is long. And if we if we allowed it to, it could get even longer. There's so many expectations that we have for ourselves, so many expectations that our family has for us, so many expectations that the church has for us, so many expectations that our neighbors have for us, our friends have for us. And sometimes we have to tell them no, and that weighs on us, doesn't it? Don't you know that Jesus had this burden of expectation, that it, it probably was hard for him to say, you know, I, I realize you want me to stay here but I need to go. And there's other people I need to teach and other people that I need to heal. Look at chapter five and verse one. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his... He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report from him, report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. So this might sound great, right? I mean, Jesus is is gaining popularity. Jesus is gaining exposure. More and more people know about him. But even, even before this healing, even before the catch of all the fish, Jesus was so crowded, he couldn't even preach from the shore, but had to get into the boat and go and preach from the boat so that he could stand and preach to everybody because they were all pressing in on him. Don't you know that in and of itself was a burden? the burden of attention, the burden of responsibility, the burden of leadership. Isn't it interesting that, especially in our culture, we we are so prone to seek attention, so prone to share our opinion or share our thoughts or to say, hey, listen to me. 
and we glamorize people who are in the spotlight and we say, wow, it would be so great to be so popular. It would be great to be so famous. It would be great to, to be such a great leader. And we tend to think of leadership and fame as something to be sought. And there are times where we need to lead. There are times where we need to speak out. There are times where we need to be in the spotlight, as it were. But sometimes we don't realize the burden that that is. The burden of leadership. The burden of responsibility. The burden of attention. The burden of fame. Which is why, for a lot of people, from politicians to business leaders to church leaders, when they have all of that attention, all of that responsibility, all of that leadership, all of that fame, many times it crushes them under the weight. So Jesus had all of these burdens that he was carrying. The burden of exhaustion, the burden of shame, the burden of expectations, the burden of attention. Jesus was carrying all of these burdens on his shoulders. So is it any wonder that we read in the very next verse, but, but, all of these crowds, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I want us to think about those words for a second. Withdraw. The word there, withdraw, in the Greek could refer, if it's in, in military context, it refers to a retreat. Withdraw. Maybe that's why we call, when we go as individuals or as groups, and we go and we spend time in prayer and study, we call that a retreat. It's good. It's biblical. It's Christ-like to withdraw from the battle, to retreat from the battle. I've often heard people speak uh, disparagingly about spiritual retreats. They say, oh, no, 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 we shouldn't have retreats. We should have advances. We should always be advancing. Well, it's not necessarily what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't always advancing. Yes, Jesus was engaged in spiritual warfare like we can't even imagine. But Jesus did not spend all of his time teaching. Jesus did not spend all of his time preaching. Jesus did not spend all of his time healing. Jesus did not spend all of his time with people. Jesus spent some time withdrawing, retreating, drawing back and saying, I need time with my father. And Luke even records that he went to desolate places, lonely places, places without people. And that's exactly what this implies, is that he went to places without people. And sometimes we can feel guilty about that. I know I can feel guilty about that. I feel like as a teacher, as a preacher, that I always ought to be teaching and helping and encouraging. And yes, there's a time for that. But if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, there's also a time for spending time in desolate places, spending time without the noise, spending time without the crowds. Maybe, if nothing else, this season of distance and isolation, hopefully we've spent more time in prayer because that's what it says there. He says he would withdraw to desolate places and pray, not withdraw to desolate places and hang out, not withdraw to desolate places and find a hobby, not withdraw to desolate places and fish, not golf, not read a book. All of those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with those things. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places specifically to pray. Why? 
because Jesus is carrying this burden of shame. Jesus is carrying this burden of exhaustion. Jesus is carrying this burden of expectation. Jesus is carrying this burden of attention and leadership. And he goes and he takes those burdens to his father. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. That's good, isn't it? Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Wow. It should never cease to amaze us that God cares about us. Not just us collectively, but us individually. God cares about you. So take all of your worries and cares to God. Are you carrying a burden of attention? Are you carrying a burden of expectation? Are you carrying a burden of exhaustion? Are you carrying a burden of shame? Whatever burden you're carrying, take them to God for he cares for you. It is very Christ-like. It is very much in keeping with discipleship to let Jesus set this example for us to withdraw to desolate places and pray. And maybe at this point in your life, you're like, you know what? I have, I've done enough withdrawing. I've done enough being in desolate places. I get that. I understand that. I'm ready for some togetherness too. I'm ready to be back together. But as long as this period of time lasts, let us devote it to prayer. If we have to be in desolate places anyway, we might as well do what Jesus did and pray. Pray, church. Our hospitalizations in Collin County are just through the roof. Our healthcare workers, our doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals are just overwhelmed in Collin County and across the country, across the world. So many people in the hospital, so many people sick, so many people hurting, and then affected and touched in other ways because of the current situation. Pray, pray. It's okay if we spend this time, devote this time to prayer. Prayer for the burdens that we're carrying. Prayer for the burdens that other people are carrying. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our church family. Let's pray for our elders. Let's pray for the leaders of our community, the leaders of our state, the leaders of our country, and the leaders across the world. Let's pray for each other and take all of our worries and all of our cares to God because he cares for us. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that his father cared about him. Jesus took all of his burdens to his father. And if Jesus is our example, we'll do likewise. So my encouragement today and every day is fix your eyes on Jesus. I love you and I appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day and rest of your week. God bless. Bye-bye.